God doesn't want us to walk through this life blindly, right? God, if, if you need wisdom and you need knowledge, often it's found through God's word, but it's also found in those moments where you yield it to the Holy Spirit and say, God, reveal it to me. In the ways in which we've seen in scripture, God, would you do that for me? And God being good, right? The Bible tells us that he's a good God. He will not withhold his Holy Spirit from us. He doesn't withhold it from us. He doesn't dangle it over us as like something we have to try and jump and catch. He says he willingly gives it to us as a good father. All we gotta do is ask. Welcome to Refuge Podcast, a weekly Bible study for young adults at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. Okay, let's pray. Well, actually, let's read a verse or two and then we'll pray. Chapter 12, verse 7 of 1 Corinthians, it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge, and through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gift of healing by the same Spirit, and to another the working of miracles, and so on and so forth. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful, God, that um, you desire to meet with us, and Lord, that your heart is for us to know you and to draw close to you. And so, Lord, we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would do that uh, as we read your word as we study your word together. May it, again, unfold and unveil more of who you are and draw us close to you. And Lord, we pray tonight that each of us, Lord, our hearts would be open to what your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Lord, we pray that your spirit would make application uh, through the teaching of your word. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, tonight we're gonna be discussing these two gifts, the gift of the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. So last time, what, what we're doing, uh, if you're new, you haven't been here before, we're studying through the book of 1 Corinthians. And as we're going through this book, we have paused here on chapter 12 for the last 17 weeks or something. I don't know how many teachings it's been in this chapter, looking at the work of the Holy Spirit within the church, that the Holy Spirit is presently the manifestation of the triune God, mainly seen through God's people. That, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and we get to see uh, God fleshed out through each other as the Holy Spirit lives in each of us. So we looked at the work of the Holy Spirit. We looked at who he is, the third part of the Trinity. We looked at the fact that he is God. He is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, omnibenevolent. That, that he is God. All that is God is the Holy Spirit. That we've been given the Holy Spirit when we are born again, that the Spirit of God awakens or quickens our soul and brings us to life spiritually. When we were dead in sins and trespasses, we've been made alive to God, right? So the, there's this coming alive unto the Lord by the Spirit of God. Now, whether what camp you sit in as far as there's a, a subsequent work of the Holy Spirit where you can pray to receive extra filling or an overflowing uh, a baptism of the Holy Spirit, or you believe that you get it all at once and you begin to overflow from that filling. We looked at scripture and saw that both are possible. The important thing is you need the Holy Spirit, I need the Holy Spirit, and the only way that the church is going to make a difference and affect this world is by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, so that, that's the main thing, and we're all united in that one camp. Whatever one you fall under, that's what we need is more of the Holy Spirit. So, and, and I want to, again, preface this by saying the emphasis of chapter 12 is not the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we would find out what they are and that we can then hold them to ourselves and be like, I have these gifts in their mind. But these are, like we read, for the benefit of all. It is for the profit of all, for the body of Christ. The main point of chapter 12 is the diversity of the Holy Spirit in that God uniquely gifts each person differently. He gives us a short list of some of these things. We have a list in Romans, we have a list in Ephesians, and these different gifts, all of which are different based upon your personality as well. That each one is varied by the grace of God based upon God's just the way that you are and how God's made you. The way that I have the gift of... Um, I don't know what mine are yet, but like the way that, okay, like the way I have a gift, of, let's say for a minute, I have the gift of whatever. It's going to be different than the one that you have. Like say we have the same gift. Like Zach and I both teach here on occasion, and most of the time when Zach teaches, you guys learn stuff, right? <laughs> but when I teach, it's like, I don't know, it was in Greek, but like so... When, when Zach teaches and when I teach or when Pastor John teaches, all of us teach very differently, I would say. But each one, and the reason that is, is because we have different personalities. And, but yet all the same spirit. And so there's varied giftings within our personalities, who God has made us to be, and the way that God gifts us all are different. But the point of the chapter is, is that each of us uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit are uniquely then desiring uh, or are in need of one another because the hand cannot say to the foot, I do not need you. So, so what Paul is emphasizing here is that God has gifted us the same spirit in different ways to unite us under the same, under the same head, which is Jesus Christ. That we're, we're called as a group of people to be together and, and as the body of Christ coming together, that the world would look at the church and be able to see what unity looks like. That they would be able to look at the church and see an, an incredibly diverse group of people all with the same mind and the same goal, walking towards Jesus, building the kingdom together, and the world would go, how is that even possible? That's, that's the emphasis of, of this chapter is, is we need each other. And the point is, is, is the Holy Spirit is the one that uniquely gives us with these gifts so that each of us has a position, each of us has a, a purpose within the body of Christ. And it, I was thinking as I was looking out the window during worship that so, I think we started this by saying like, what are your gifts? Like we need to find these things out. And part of me is, is thinking, like, I want to find out what this is so I know personally. And it's like the Lord just kind of spoke to me in that moment. Is It's not necessarily that I would know what my gifts are, but pray that, God, I believe that you are a God who gifts and, and gives us good gifts through his Holy Spirit. So, God, in which way do you want to gift me that I would be used by you today? Not just what is my gift so I can camp there and be like, I know what it is, and now I can just sit here and know, Right? That's lazy, and that's my tendency, um, to be completely transparent. <laughs> so that's the point. Now I'm going to get back to my notes for a minute. So we started out this study of the Holy Spirit, who he is, how he works. 
within the church today, and that the Holy Spirit is the manifest presence of God seen primarily in the church today. It is the Holy Spirit who dwells not in a temple built with hands, but in the heart of every believer who places their trust in Jesus Christ. We studied how the Bible talks about then the gifts of the Spirit to every believer are given. And we split these gifts into three categories. The priestly gifts, which were tongues and healings and the, the gift of, of interpretation of tongues. We are looking at the prophetic gifts currently and soon we'll get to the kingly gifts. We split them up into these three Old Testament offices in which Jesus fulfilled as priest, prophet, and king. And Jesus fulfills all of these and so he is ultimately the picture of what these look like in the scripture. But the purpose of these gifts and why the Holy Spirit would see fit to bless us with them. Spiritual gifts are given to equip the church to carry out its ministry until Christ returns. That is what these are for. It's for the body of Christ. It is for believers. And tonight, we're going to talk about two of them, and that is the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. 1 Corinthians 12, 8, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Now we've talked about different manifestations of the Holy Spirit, meaning different evidences. To manifest means to be made known. So these manifest presence or, or um, gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, like the gift of tongues and like the interpretation of tongues are all manifestations of the Holy Spirit. The gift of healing, the gift of prophecy. We went over the gift of teaching. Um, but the interesting thing about the gifts that we're going to cover tonight is that this is the only mention of these gifts in the entire Bible. So all the information that we know about these gifts are found in this one verse. Awesome, right? You know? Is so easy to study for. I was like, I wonder what I can cross-reference to. Oh, absolutely nothing. In fact, they're not even mentioned in any other early Christian literature. Like it's just never mentioned again. And that's fascinating. And it's going to be making for a really short Bible study tonight. So... This means that the only information we have about these gifts are found in this verse right here, and we have the context in which they are used, and that's it. But what is the gift of the word of wisdom? A word of wisdom comes when critical issues arise and important decisions must be made. Okay, that's one definition. Wisdom in the Greek is the word Sophia, right? So if your name is Sophia in here tonight, your word, your word your name means wisdom or wise, which is the common or most basic Greek word for wisdom. It's like the most basic word for it. So there are two ways to look at this gift. Miraculous, in that it is a special revelation from the Holy Spirit to speak wisdom into a situation. The spontaneous how-to, if you will. Like it's the spontaneous, like, how do we do this? And you're like, uh, we're going to do it this way. And it totally works. And everyone's like, that's right. That is the right Sounds right, we like it, let's do it. And, you know, so on and so forth. But also, it is the ability to wisely guide someone to live according to the gospel in the gray areas of life. Listen, there are gray areas of life, aren't there? Not everything has a moral, straight-up law. We are like, 
having trouble with a boss, I always use this illustration, you're having trouble with your boss at work, and you're like, Ten Commandments say that I cannot murder, so how do I deal with this person? Right? There's a clear moral law. If someone after service is like, I wonder, I'm just struggling, should I kill them? And you're like, mm, no, there's clearly a law here that says don't do that. But say you are having trouble with a boss and you're like, I just don't know what to do. The Bible gives us wisdom literature in order that we would navigate these gray areas of life that don't necessarily have a clear moral law. So it's not less than the Ten Commandments. Wisdom is not less than the Ten Commandments. It's more. Spontaneous wisdom or spontaneous wisdom is this. I think in order to best understand this word wisdom, we need to go back and we need to use the rule of first mention. When you are learning to teach and learning to study the Bible, there's something called the rule of first mention. So when you read a word, the way that we best understand that word, to best define that word, is we go back to the very first time it's mentioned in Scripture. So we're going to do that. And hopefully it helps. Look at Exodus chapter 28, verse 3. This is the first time that this word wisdom is used. Speaking of the building of the tabernacle, which we covered last night. If you, anyone were here last night and got to watch Pastor John teach through, through the tabernacle? Okay, now, if you didn't get to watch that, go back and you'll understand how important the tabernacle is because all of it points to Jesus. So understanding what's about to happen, really, you have to understand what the tabernacle was. It was a picture of Jesus all of it is, it was where God dwelt. It's a tent, a mobile tent of God uh, there in the wilderness. In Exodus chapter 28, verse 3, it says this. So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans. This is God speaking. Whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to, to consecrate him, that he may minister to me as priest. This is the first mention of this word, wisdom. Now God speaking says, you're going to gather these, these folks that are gifted in, in craftsman, craftsmanship. And I'm going to fill them with this spirit of wisdom. So these guys who have great knowledge in the field of like uh, woodworking and goldsmithing and all this stuff, we're going to gather them together and God says, I'm going to give them my wisdom in order to do this, in order to build this. God took those who were gifted by the Lord and he gave them the wisdom in order to know how to create and to forge is really fascinating. Like one of the first things that God, like in the worship of him is this creativity that God gifts men with, which is, is wonderful because it doesn't mean that God is just some stoic being who's like, forget it. Just keep things simple. Stand, sit, arms up at this length, hand it out. If you go one hand, like I'm not okay with that. And he's, God's a God of creativity. Obviously by looking on the room tonight, God is a God of creativity. The Hebrew word here for Wisdom is not so pretty as Sophia. It's the word chokmah. <laughs> um, not as cute. You're like, what's your name? Chokmah. <laughs> pretty, yeah. It's not the same effect. But it is the word that means skill for war, but also wisdom in administration. So God had gifted them to be wise or to be skilled for, for these things at hand and for the tasks at hand. It was a supernatural gifting, but took place in a very natural way to carry out a physical task. It's fascinating. 
That God would impart this wisdom by his spirit to create his house. And as we studied the tabernacle last night, that, that correlation and that picture of Jesus from beginning to end of it is only something that comes by the wisdom of God, not by the creativity of man. Right? Man is all about convenience. Like if I was making this tent thing of God's house, I'd put doors everywhere so I could get out. Like if God was going to kill me for being sinless, I'd want a way out, right? Not being sinless. That's what I meant. There's one door. Speaking of the fact that there's one way. There's a wash basin. There's, this, there's all these things. And go back and listen to that study. It's, it's laborious, but it's glorious. <laughs> right? <laughs> I couldn't help it. it. It just, it all, how does that come to be? Have you ever been in a Bible study where someone takes this New Testament truth and they bring it back to this picture in the Old Testament and you're like, how? That's God's wisdom. That's why Paul says, I came to you not with the wisdom of men. I didn't craft these sermons. I came to you in the simplicity of the gospel to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. Because that's, that's all I needed. I didn't have to make something up or create this, you know, try and get you in the door through something else. He's just saying, this is enough. And so wisdom is this amazing thing that God will gift human beings supernaturally in order to carry out a task that otherwise we would not know how to do. Exodus 35.30 is another instance in which we see the same thing happening. Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all matter of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting jewels for setting and carving wood and to work in all manner of artistic workmanship. God, again, imparting wisdom, this gift of wisdom to his artist in order to build the house that God would dwell in. He was given wisdom to build this house. And as we learned last night, man, it is important. This was an important task that was given to this man. But not only just for the gift of like crafting things. If you're like, yes, now I can start my Etsy shop and like make millions. Because God has gifted me with the gift of wisdom and how to make beaded jewelry. And like, that's not what it's for. These are just instances in which we see God gifting someone to carry out a task that God had given them. In Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 9, Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For, for Moses had laid his hands on him, so the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Joshua was given the gift of wisdom because of what was ahead of Joshua. For the last 40 years, Joshua had been wandering in the wilderness, not because of his own faithlessness, but because of the sin of another. He didn't get bitter. He didn't get upset. He simply just walked with God. He served the Lord. He waited. He just looked for the promise of God that was to come. And there they are crossing over the Jordan. He's next in line to lead the people of Israel. Moses is dead. And God says, I'm going to give you the spirit of wisdom. Because what, what Joshua was going to take into the land was not just wandering around. He was going in to do battle. Suddenly he becomes this military general and has to do war. And God says, I'm going to give you the wisdom in order to do this. Joshua was given the gift of wisdom in order to lead God's people. But also, I think a great example of this was seen in Joseph. 
Granted, the mention of wisdom is not until the book of Exodus, but the story of Joseph, you cannot help but see the gift of knowledge and wisdom upon his life, right? If you remember the story in Genesis chapter 41, it says, Now therefore Pharaoh, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth the produce of the land. I'm reading the wrong thing. Here's what happened. <laughs> Joseph gets sold into slavery by his brothers. He ends up in prison because Potiphar's wife is a jerk and lies about him, right? You remember the story? He ends up wrongfully accused, thrown into jail. He, he is like, becomes the head of the jail, just serving, like, hey man, I know this stinks, but I'm just gonna serve everyone. And he starts serving, and, and the, the baker's in there, and the, the, the cup guy is in there, and he's serving these guys. They have weird dreams. He's like, hey, your dream is you're gonna get back in the palace, everything's gonna be cool. And the other guy is like, sorry, you're gonna die, and the birds are gonna eat your flesh. Remember me, when this, like, remember what I told you. Like, when you get back in the palace, remember, he tells this guy. The guy forgets, two years goes by. <laughs> Poor Joseph. But, like, here he is, okay? Just two years go by, and he's like, any day now. The guy's going to remember. Like, hey, trying to get a message to this dude, whatever. Suddenly, he remembers as Pharaoh has a dream. He has two dreams, but they mean the same thing. And the, the baker remembers, or the, I can't remember who it was, the cupbearer, thank you, the cupbearer remembers, like, oh yeah, there's this guy that told me about my dream. So they bring Joseph in, and the Pharaoh tells Joseph his dream. And Joseph is given the gift of knowledge, okay, which we're going to cover next. He tells the king what the dream means. That's not like, that's not of his own power, that's the power of God upon him. To interpret this dream, but the second part, okay, the gift of wisdom comes in Genesis 41, the part I already read to you. This is what he tells Pharaoh. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and let him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food in those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be a reserve for the land of the, uh, of the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt that the land may not perish during the famine. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man whom is, is the spirit of God? So this unbelieving Pharaoh recognizes in this guy that he is given the gift of the word of knowledge. And then he says, here's what we should do. Here's what's going to happen. This is what the dream means. Now here's what we should do about it. And he says, you know, you guys do whatever you want. And Pharaoh says, this guy is filled with the spirit of God. This is an example of the gift of knowledge and the gift of wisdom, or the word of wisdom. Being able to take facts and then to take those facts and to put them into action and do something about those facts. In the same way that knowledge and wisdom is different in our own minds, like I can know a lot about uh, sharks. Like I know like how many teeth they have. I know like what color their skin is, <laughs> gray. <laughs> like I can identify like that's a bad one. That's a big one. That's a small one. I can like know their Latin genus name. Like that's spontificus. Maximus or whatever, and I can give you the, the like Latin thing, okay? Wisdom tells me those things have teeth and they bite. Stay away from them, right? 
That's wisdom. Wisdom tells me that sharks are surrounding the boat. There's blood in the water. Don't get in the cage. Some of you are like, no, that's not wisdom. That's being a sissy. Jump in the cage, like feed the shark with your bare hand. It's the stupidest thing ever. When you think about it, think about how ridiculous human beings are. That we will take any chance. That, like, we know that sharks are attracted to blood. I'm just going to preach here for a second. Stay with me. We know that sharks are attracted to blood. We know that they like free food. We know that they bite everything. They have no hands. They feel with their mouths. And yet, we jump into these flimsy little metal cages with cameras and think, nothing bad can happen to me because I'm in a cage. It's the stupidest thing ever. Or when people see sharks jump out of the water and they move like 100 yards down the beach and like, we're good. You know, sharks swim all day. They can swim anywhere they want. Wisdom would say, get out of the water. Knowledge would tell me, that's a shark. Wisdom says, move. Get out, leave, they bite, right? That's the same thing. Back to our text. I hate sharks. They're so, they're so terrible. It's like those morons who have snakes around their neck down at the pier. You're just like carrying a snake around your neck. A constrictor, by the way, that is designed by God to strangle its food and you put it around your neck. The very thing that carries air up into your brain and you're like, this thing constricts, but yet it's nice like a scarf. <laughs> it's a nice snake, I've trained it. It's, you're a moron. <laughs> you may know a lot about snakes, but you're not very wise when it comes to snakes. They're evil, Genesis chapter three, <laughs> pit of hell, okay? So I have biblical grounds to hate them. In the same way that knowledge and wisdom are different within our lives, they're distinct within the gifting of God as well. That when knowledge, we're going to get to that in, in a minute, but wisdom is the ability not only to speak wise things into a situation, but it's spontaneous. It's not something that we have this reservoir of, of wisdom that we dip into and you're like, I'm getting a tingly feeling. Yep, this is the word of wisdom. It happens naturally but in a supernatural way. It's a supernatural gifting of God, but it feels incredibly natural. And so, so often we're using the gift of the word of wisdom in people's lives, and we have no idea that it's happening. Suddenly we're like, wow, I'm quick on my feet. No, you're not. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? That happens to me all the time where I'm like, that was quick. And people are like, wow, you thought fast. I'm like, I did. I am notoriously known for not thinking quick. Okay, so that's the Holy Spirit working in and through us. And so often it just is a natural thing that's happening, but God is working within the supernatural within our lives because God is gifting us by his spirit, not because you're fantastic, but because God is fantastic. Because God wants to bless. Not because we're deserving a blessing, but because that's who God is. And he cares more about the people around you than you ever could. And so God blesses us with wisdom. Acts chapter 15, here's a, a New Testament scenario. There's a, 
a disagreement over the Gentiles that were coming into the church. And they're like, man, they need to convert to Judaism. Otherwise, they're not really saved. They need to get circumcised. And like half the church left, <laughs> all the dudes. But then they're, they're like the council gets together and they're like, we need to talk about this. Peter stands up with boldness. He's like, hey, I was there, man. They spoke in tongues the day that they got saved, just like we did on the day of Pentecost. And so they come to this agreement and James, who is the head of the church in Jerusalem, stands up and he says, men and brethren, listen to me. Okay, so there's this large argument. Everything's, there's a lot of commotion. And James stands up and says, listen, this is, this is what needs to be said right here. Simon had declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the word of the prophets agreed, just as it is written. So just as it is written, he says, look at, let's look at scripture for a second. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who has done all these things. Known to God from eternity, all his works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those who are among the Gentiles and who are turning to God. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men to their own company to Antioch with Paul and a Barnabas. He stands up and he says, last thing I hear, this needs to be said. And he quotes scripture and he says, we were told that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would open up the doors for the Gentiles and it's happening. Therefore, we're not supposed to put the yoke of Judaism upon them. Do not forbid them to come to Jesus. That was a word of wisdom. And notice what, what happens. It brings peace in this time of turmoil where everyone says, you know what? That's right. That's totally right. And that's what needs to be done. And later in that chapter, it says, so it pleased the men to send on Paul and Barnabas to the work at hand. I think of a great example with Jesus in Luke chapter 22. The religious leaders tried to trap Jesus and they said to him, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? You remember that story? They're trying to catch him in his own words. Because if he says yes, like, yeah, you should pay taxes, which as much as it stinks, like, yeah, we're supposed to. Um, if you like roads and things like that, yeah, we pay taxes. But in those days, Rome was this oppressive government. Like, they just would rob people. And, and they hated it. The Jews hated the Romans. And so they asked him, like, should, should we pay taxes? Knowing that if he says yes, they can turn the people against him. If he says no, they can report him as an insurrectionist and Rome could arrest him for causing a riot or causing an uproar. And so what does Jesus say? He says, does anyone have a coin? Didn't even have one. Like, does anyone have a coin? Right? And, or a denarius. And he looks at it and he says, whose image is on this coin? And they say, Caesar's. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's and render unto God what is God's. And he walks away. Like the boss that he was. <laughs> and just like... Scattered. I'm like, how do you like that one? No, he didn't do that. But he just walks away. Because they couldn't, what they were trying to do, they couldn't do. Just this word of wisdom over the situation. He says, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. That's his image. You were made in the image of God. Give your heart to God. You belong to him. It's an incredible response. This is an example of a word of wisdom. It's the right response in the right moment to a chaotic situation. Jesus answers perfectly. But then you ask, like I asked the question to Pastor John and Pastor John asked the question to me. Why do we need this gift? It was great. 
Sometimes he comes and sits in my office and it's like, I'm going to ask you a question. And then he goes, why do you think so? And it's the worst. <laughs> I was hoping you would tell me. Why should we actively pray for it? Seek it, use it on a daily basis. Why should this be something that we as a church are gifted by the Holy Spirit and we should ask for as the, as the church? But I don't know if you, if you know this, but if you go back to where we were in Exodus, we talked about the same word wisdom and skill. Wisdom is the skill of living. Wisdom is the skill of living. A church, at the church, we have so many because we're so diverse, because there's people from all different walks of life, because there's people here that we would not be in the same room with had it not been with Jesus or because of Jesus. We need wisdom, don't we? As, as evil as human beings can be, the stuff that we do to each other and the ways that we divide up against each other, the way that we pick sides, the way that we easily get offended and easily like schism and freak out, right? The church in Corinth, this is a lot of the things they were going through. Says, as, as weird as we can get, Paul says, we need wisdom as the church because we need to know how to respond to these situations where people can get so upset with each other, chaos can break out. We need to be able to know, God, what is the right thing? There's gray area here. God, what do we do in light of the gospel? How do we live in light of the gospel? How are we to act? How are we to live? God, help us. And God, in that moment, spontaneously will give us a word of wisdom to speak the truth into that situation. But also to call others to live according to the gospel. If someone that you know is like living and they don't know, like, hey, the, this is how we ought to live in light of what God has done. It's a wise thing. It's, it's this word of wisdom that speaks directly into a person's situation. But where does wisdom start? Like, how do we even get it? Proverbs, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said, God, I, can't, I don't even know how to go in and come out. I need your help. I need your wisdom. He was the wisest man who ever lived because God gifted him by his spirit with wisdom. You remember the story when these women come in to come in before him and they have this baby and they're like, she stole my kid. Hers died in the middle of the night and she stole mine. And his response is, get me a sword. Get me a sword. And they're like, what are you going to do with the sword? He's like, here's what we're going to do. Cut the thing in half, give one, to, and we'll just do it that way. We'll sell it that way. Everyone gets a half. And the mother speaks up and she says, no, 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 please don't. Give, give the child to her. And Solomon says that right there. She's the real mother. Give her the baby. That's the word of wisdom. Like, how would he know how to do that? That would not be my first response. When my kids come, they're like, he stole my toy. I'm not like, give me a sword. Actually, bring me my sawzall. Because that's way more fun. And let's cut your doll in half. <laughs> it's never my response. Anyways, where does wisdom start? Like Solomon, it started with the fact that he had a healthy, reverential fear of God. And he writes it in the book of Proverbs. He says, wisdom begins, the beginning of wisdom is a fear of the Lord. If you don't have a, a reverential fear that God is God and you are not, you will not be wise. Like, understand this tonight. God is God you are not. And if you can like, use that as the launching point, you have a chance to be wise in this world. Wisdom is the skill of living. The gospel tells me what I have access to. Man, I have, the ac I have access to the throne of God. 
Jesus has made a way for me to access him. I, have, I can come into his throne anytime. And James says, if that's the case with us, we have access unto God. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Meaning that God will not withhold this from you. So, so the Bible tells us, if you lacking wisdom, ask of God who will actually give you the gift by his Holy Spirit of wisdom, the skill of how to live in this world. It's pretty cool. Now, the gift of the word of knowledge. We're going to do this in 10 minutes. Here's what it says. And this is a working definition. We're going to bounce off this one. It is information given to us supernaturally. It is something that you know but would have not known unless God had revealed it. It is also divine impartation of knowledge concerning a person's situation that could not come through a natural thought process. Now, let me just tell you this. This does not make you some kind of soothsayer, fortune teller, card reader. That's not what this is. Nor does it make us human lie detectors, which would be awesome, by the way. You're buying a used car and you're like, are you sure? They're like, of course. You're like, you're lying. I'm out of here. That would be extremely helpful in recent days. But here are just some New Testament examples of what this looks like. John's gospel, John chapter 1, verse 45. It says, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus said to him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So Nathanael's coming and he says, hey, I know you, I saw you under the fig tree. He's like, how did you see me under the fig tree? When did you see me under the fig tree? No one could have known that I was under a fig tree. Like, that was the evidence, which Nathaniel was like, that, how would you know that? Like, that's a God thing. It's, it's information, a situation that is revealed to us supernaturally that we otherwise would not have known had it not been for the Holy Spirit. For instance, John chapter 4, Jesus comes to the woman at the well, who is a Samaritan, and he basically reveals himself as the Messiah to her. And he says to her, why don't you go and call your husband, and we can talk further. And she says, I have no husband. And he says, you have spoken rightly. You've had five husbands, and the man that you're with now is currently not your husband. And she's like, how did you know that? Like, that's embarrassing. <laughs> how did you know that? It's a word of knowledge. Jesus knew. And you're like, well, that's different. Jesus knows everything. True. But he was also baptized with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, given the Spirit of God, led by the Spirit. This is something that was imparted to him by the Spirit of God. In Acts chapter 5, Peter, also, like one of these chapters, this is one of those chapters where we crochet these on pillows, right? This is one of those chapters that we all love and cling to. This is, these are those not-so-inspiring Bible verses, where Ananias and Sapphira sell a piece of land, and they're like, we're going to donate all of it to the church, right? So they would, we're giving all this to the church, and they actually lied and kept part of it back. And Peter says to her, him, her, which one ever dies first, her, him. He says to him, why have you decided to lie to the Holy Spirit? And he drops dead. 
Now, I know all of you, your moms have that pillow. Like, and Ananias dropped to the floor. Acts chapter 5. No, it's never on a coffee cup or anything like that. How would Peter know this? How would he know unless the Holy Spirit had given him this knowledge? Now, again, this is not how it always works where we're like just human lie detectors and we know every secret that people are. So don't be looking around and be like, do people know? Like, what? I hope no one knows what I did before I came here. That's embarrassing. But the word of knowledge is not simply to make us human lie detectors, but it's also for the purpose of understanding scripture and being able to share that with a person. It's the ability to be able to read scripture, know what it means, and to be able to know when to give that to a person who needs it. Um, but a lot of times it's, it's insight into a situation, knowledge that you otherwise would not know. Um, there's been instances where, like, where I'm teaching and I'm giving scenarios or I'm speaking about something and someone will come up to me and be like, how did you know? Like, how did you know that about me? I'm like, I don't know anything about you. I never even met you. God in his wisdom and God in his gifting, gave, like a word of knowledge was spoken into that situation and the person's like, you're, you're airing my dirty laundry in front of everyone. You're like, I don't know who you are. I'm not, this was just an example. And they're like, well, dude, sounds a lot like me. You know, it, it, suddenly it's, it's through the inspiration of spontaneous word of the Holy Spirit. So these two gifts, and listen, like I said before, this is all we have in the context in which they're given. And we ask, I got to ask myself the question, like, God, why would you give this to us? Because it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't want us to walk through this life blindly, right? God, if, if you need wisdom and you need knowledge, often it's found through God's word, but it's also found in those moments where you yielded to the Holy Spirit and said, God, reveal it to me. In the ways in which we've seen in scripture, God, would you do that for me? And God being good, right? The Bible tells us that he's a good God. He will not withhold his Holy Spirit from us. He doesn't withhold it from us. He doesn't dangle it over us as like something we have to try and jump and catch. He says he willingly gives it to us as a good father. All we gotta do is ask. So, now this is not an exhaustive study by any means and I'm sure I just created a thousand questions for you. I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know. Like, I don't know, because this is all we have. But the Bible does say that there is a gift of the word of them, and there is a gift of the word of knowledge. They are both supernatural and natural at the same time. That God is supernaturally working in us, but a lot of times it just happens naturally. And so, because the Bible says it, and like Pastor John always says, if the Bible says it, man, like, I want that. I want that. Like, why wouldn't I pray for that? Why wouldn't I, I desire that? And so I do know that the Bible tells me that I do need wisdom in this life. And I do need understanding and knowledge. And so um, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. But as far as anything else, like, I think Paul leaves it somewhat vague for us because the emphasis is not what the gift is. The emphasis is the fact that God can gift you at any time, in any place, if you're open to his work and his spirit for what you need in the time in which you need it. Because that is who God is. And so we don't have much to go on. And I may have taught this in a, in a way that you're like, I disagree. That's okay. Totally fine. I'm okay with that. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know. 
I don't know. I have seen it used in a way in which people are able to see into circumstances. I have seen it in a way in which people say, this verse is for you. And guess what? It was. Um, there was a, a when I was, in the last story, when I was uh, 17 years old, I was in high school, obviously, and uh, I had knee surgery, I had shoulder issues, my shoulder, both shoulders were dislocated, um, uh, I had just all this horrible stuff, just physically. So I went to this room at my church, uh, it was called the Women's Intercessory Prayer Room, it's a really long word. And uh, there was a group of women that would meet there at that time every, uh, every Tuesday or whatever, and they would pray for like six hours. So anyone who needed prayer, you could go into that room and tell them like, hey, I need prayer for this, and they would pray over you. And they, as they would pray over you, they would oftentimes like use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They would preach, like prophesy over you. Um, there was a lady that was there and she would sit in the back and she would pray but she would write her prayers on an index card. She would like write the prayer down for you. And when verses would come up, she would write the verse down on this prayer on, on this little like four by six card. And then at the end, like she would give you the card. Uh, like three weeks ago, I found the card. And no joke, what she prayed and what she said has come true in my life. Okay, <clears throat> so all that to say, I don't know how it works, but it does. And it doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are. God has given us his Holy Spirit in each of us and gifted us uniquely for the benefit of all and for the glory of God. So this is something that we as a church should pray for. And listen, it's not so that we would be benefit, like we benefit from it, absolutely. But man, do other people benefit from it so much. So notice that God's gifting to you is, is not just a selfish thing to build us up, which it does. It is so that God would get the glory through you as God uses you as a vessel. And that is the emphasis of all this stuff. And then there's going to be like administration and all these other giftings that seem like non-miraculous, but they are because of who they're given to. And that I think is so fascinating. Who they're given to preaches the gospel and the glory of God because it's not necessarily their natural, like what they're naturally drawn to, but yet God does it. And so how this all works, guys, I have no idea. And every week when I, I open up and I'm like, these are the ones we're going to teach. Zach's like, how's it going? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> like verbatim, that's exactly what I say. Because these things are mysterious. Like honestly, these things are. But that's okay. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. Okay. The Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are weird. And so let's not be cautious of the Holy Spirit. These are good gifts that we need as the church. And if we're going to change the world around us, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, that's what we need. Okay? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you.
uh, for this time. And Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, if there's anyone in this room that just needs a word from you, a word of just, they need wise counsel. Lord, they need you to speak into their life by your spirit. God, we pray that we would be those that are open to the moving and the working of the Holy Spirit. God, for those that are, are saved in this room, this, is, this belongs to us. You're able to give it to us. Lord, help us to be bold to exercise it, to use it, not to hide it or be ashamed of it. But Lord, help us to trust you. No matter how foolish we might look, Lord, it's, it's for your glory, for your kingdom. And so, God, we pray tonight, by your spirit, Lord, would, would you again visit us and work in us, Lord. Increase our faith, God. I know that from my, my heart, Lord, I need just a touch of faith from you. To believe you and, and believe in what you've said. To trust, God, that what you've said about how you work all things together for our good. Because you love us. Lord, we need, a, we need a touch of faith and trust. Give us the power to do it tonight, Lord. And so, God, as we close in worship, as we just sing your praises and give you honor and give you glory, God, we pray our eyes would be off of ourselves and our circumstances, our situation. God, our eyes would be drawn towards you, upwards, to give you the glory and the honor that you deserve, God. Thank you for blessing us, Lord, because that is who you are. You are a blessing God. Thank you, Lord, that you are a giving God because that is who you are. And so, Lord, we, uh, we bow before you in honor and reverence of God. I thank you, Lord, tonight that you are God and I am not. And so, Lord, we come to you on that basis, Lord, that you are a holy God. And because of your son, Jesus, you have made us holy. Thank you, God, that we are hidden in him. And what you see is Christ, him crucified. You see his holiness and righteousness upon us this evening. And so, Lord, as we stand and worship you, we stand upon your righteousness. We stand in your truth. We stand upon your sacrifice and what you've done. And we come to you, God, humbly. And so, Jesus, move among us this evening. We love you, Lord. Give us wisdom and knowledge, Lord, that we need to navigate uh, this life that we live.